The battle of wizards and warriors continues with iron swords. The evil wizard Malkil will take the shape of the earth, wind, water, and fire. Farewell! The fate of the world is in your hands! You're listening to the Piercing Wizard Podcast, and I'm your host, Ryan Willett. I'm a professional body piercer with 20 years experience, I travel around the world teaching technique and safety classes, and I'm a member of the Association of Professional Piercers. Listen in as I talk to my friends and colleagues about our industry so we can all stay sharp. Hi everybody, how you doing? Welcome back to another episode of the show. I've got some class updates for the people keeping track of that stuff. Uh, Two classes that are open for registration as we speak. Uh, Sunday, April 29th, I've got my two-hour bevel theory presentation at the Boston Tattoo Convention, uh, basically talking about um, how to apply a needle correctly, and that's really the the crucial component for, uh, for freehand piercing, in my opinion. Then uh, I've got another class Sunday, May 20th in the Chicago area at Old Traditions Body Piercing. Uh, that's going to be the full day freehand seminar, which will include the Bevel Theory presentation. So both of those classes are open for registration right now. You can get more information going online to precisionbodyarts.com backslash seminars. That'll have the descriptions, uh, how to register, pricing information, all that good stuff. My guest this week is Matt Bonantono, and yes, I had to write that down phonetically. Uh, He was the host uh, for my seminar at Black Lotus Tattoo Gallery in Maryland a few weeks ago. Uh, Really awesome shop. We talk about that quite a bit. Uh, You'll hear me throw some compliments his way in there. They're well-deserved. But we talk a lot about just kind of... Uh, the the guts of body piercing lately. You know, we don't really get like too crazy off the rails talking about anything theoretical. We just talk about what we're doing as body piercers, um, you know, the trends we're noticing, um, the way that we like to talk to people and sell jewelry and stuff like that. So it's just a a nice conversation. You know, uh, it's kind of like hanging out with two piercers when they're out to dinner. So uh, in continuing travels, I'll be going to San Antonio, Texas this weekend for another APP Board of Directors meeting. A um, lot of hard work, but it's, it's fun hanging out with, uh, with my friends. And since it's Texas, uh, we can get some really good tacos, so that's always a plus. Uh, when I come back, I've got some work to do for the New Hampshire Advisory Panel and uh, just kind of starting to, to head into conference season. You know, a lot of work getting getting prepared for that. Um, the last week or so, I was doing some interviews for the LD scholarship process, um, met some really interesting people, uh, got to hear some cool stories. Um, and, you know, we're finding some some people that we're going to be able to to help try to get to conference this year. Um, and some you hear at first kind of news. I'm also trying to work out uh, another seminar in the San Francisco area. Uh, there's a really strong Bay Area piercer group, and I think it just kind of talking to Perry on on a recent episode, it kind of put it on the back of my mind of like, well, I should try to get out there and, and do a class for them. So uh, working that out. I can't really decide if I should try to do that in the spring if that's too close to conference season. You know, some people are are uh, saving up to, to go out to Vegas and they might not be able to do both. So maybe I'll do it in the spring. Maybe I'll hold off until the fall or, or maybe I'll do uh, both. Maybe I'll just do two classes. But either way, it's it's been a while since I've been out to San Francisco. So I'd be uh, looking forward to, to heading out there again. So let's get into this week's interview with uh, Matt Bonantono from Black Lotus Tattoo Gallery in Hanover, Maryland. So um, my name is Matt Bonantono. Um, I own the piercing end of Black Lotus Tattoo Gallery in Hanover, Maryland. You can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's Matt Black Lotus. Website is blacklotuspiercing.com. 
So, how many people massacre your last name? Um, everybody. So, <laughs> in the 35 years I've been alive, one person has ever gotten it right, and it was a nurse, and she was a foreign nurse. Okay. So, it was, uh, I was highly surprised when she got it right. Um, but some people have gotten close, but usually most people don't even, they don't even <laughs> attempt it out of okay. fear. Pronounce it one more time for me. It's Bone and Tono. And then, and, and for the people listening, how do you spell it? Because there's a lot of vowels in there. It's uh, it's B U O N A N T U O N O. See, I, I'm in the same boat. So my last name is O U E L L E T T E, and it's Ouellette. And you yeah. know, I get anything from like you know omelet and like ouletti and all, all this whatever. <laughs> so I'd imagine like all the things that people do to massacre your name. Oh yeah, yeah, and it, it, it's funny. It's kind of helped me because I can get. I'm pretty good at, at getting weird names yeah. pretty solidly, so it's kind of helped out a little bit in that sense. Lately, I've been kind of striking out in that department. I've, I've you know, I, I go up front, I get my release form for the next client, and I, you know, oh, uh, is this is this how you pronounce your name? And they're like, no, no, but whatever, everybody gets that wrong. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, or or I'll get I'll, I'll pronounce it, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's great, and then later on they're like, no, 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 you pronounce it this way, and I'm like, ah, oh. right. So close. Right. I think I'm just going to start giving people nicknames. I'll be like, all right, Laser, you're up next. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, we should have, like, American Gladiator <laughs> names for body piercers or something. Dude, I definitely like that. <laughs> so uh, so you pierced today, too, right? Yeah, yeah, all day. So how'd it go for you? Um, it, was in, it was actually, today was uh, our busiest day at the studio so far. Really? Like, uh, like record breaker? Um, record breaker? Yeah, record cool. breaker. Cool. Um, I, I want to say we ended up doing like 30 piercings and um, probably about 10 or 15 jewelry changes. That's awesome. Yeah, it was uh, it was intense. Yeah, I I see. I don't know how there are piercers out there who like routinely do that kind of volume, and I I just don't get. I mean, I'm I'm sure that they you know it's front end stuff and back end stuff. You know that they, they have a system for it, but I just can't wrap my brain around being that busy every day and that just being like the norm for you. Yeah, I uh, it is it is draining, man. I am getting way too old to be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like I like having things at kind of a good pace. Uh, it's always it's always good for me. Um, I like having really busy days like this because it kind of keeps me on my toes. But mm -hmm. definitely by the end of the day, I'm like, okay, we could we can slow it down just a little bit. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I've had I've had a I don't think I've ever hit thirty in a day for piercings, other than like you know if I pierced at a convention or something, you know. Yeah. But uh, I, I, my my record was actually the Saturday after Christmas, uh, just recently, and I did like twenty five, I think, in a day, which to me, uh, that that's a lot, you know. Like I'm I don't know what your comfort zone is, but my comfort zone is like, you know, a dozen or something in a day. More than that, and it can be a little stressful. Yeah, for me, like in an eight-hour period, I think between fifteen and twenty is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's including like jewelry changes and things like that. So right. that's, that's usually my comfort zone, but, um, yeah, so anything beyond that usually can stretch it just a little bit. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm fine, you know, throwing in the extra jewelry changes or like mm -hmm. clients that want multiple piercings at a time. So like 15 to 20 can be okay. But I think, I feel like if it was like every day for me, I'd, yeah. I'd probably just get burnt out. But you know, at this point I'm only, I'm only piercing two days a week. So, I mean, it. I, I like it when I go in and I have a really solid day. Like yesterday, I feel like it was a little bit busier than today for whatever reason. I don't know if it was mm. something going on in the city. But, you know, I did maybe like 10 piercings and then maybe a, another five jewelry changes or something like that. So I feel like it was a good day, but definitely not like 
slammed. Like I got to eat lunch. It took me an hour and a half to eat lunch, but I got to eat lunch. Those those are always the good days when you have to space out the bites. Right. Yeah. It. Uh, yeah. And then by the end of the day, like you're finishing it, but it's like stone cold, and you're like, oh, this would have been delicious two hours ago. <laughs> Exactly, and then you can't heat it up because it just never tastes the same. Right, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, that's like the piercer life. I, I think, like, uh, yeah. body piercers uh, as, a, as an industry are very comfortable with, like, either no lunch or, like, you know, lunch at 4.30 in the afternoon. Um, and then, you know, piercer dinner time is, like, 9 or 10 at night usually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely, and, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm, I've, you, you get used to that for sure. Right. I mean, I, I, at this point, I'm totally used to it. You know, I think um, if I tried to get on a pattern of, like, dinner at, like, 6, when, like, normal people eat dinner, I, I feel like it would just be, like, a weird snack, and I'd want to eat again later. <laughs> exactly. So... Sure. Uh, your your studio for the for the people that haven't been there is gigantic and and really impressive. So I I did a seminar there uh, a couple of weeks ago, and it was really I think it was the only studio I've been in where I looked around and it was so nice that I was like intimidated. It was just it was really well laid out, um, and you could tell that you guys put a, you know a lot of money into the the presentation of it because you know I I know that everybody people who care about body piercing you know they're going to put that effort into their their workstations and their sterilization and their jewelry and all that stuff but like every little area had these really cool details like the harry potter bathroom was really mm-hmm. cool and and all all those little touches and details so um i i know through talking to you when we were hanging out you kind of told me that that wasn't the studio that you started in so why don't you kind of give me a little bit of background about when you got started because you you were almost to the point where you wanted to kind of like pack it in and maybe try something else as a career, right? Yeah, yeah. So I've been, um, I started in the piercing industry about 18 years ago. Um, It was at a studio that was just like most of us, most of us in the industry, we started out with that, with the crappy jewelry, the crappy mentor, the three month apprenticeship, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I worked there for about 10 years and it got to a point where me and the owner had kind of a falling out because he wasn't willing to change his quality. Um, so it, it just got to a point where we butted heads too much, and, and I just I decided to roll out. Um, so at that point, and it, the the argument that him and I got into, it was bad enough where I kind of got a really bad taste in my mouth, and I, I left the industry for a couple of years. Um, and I went and tried the corporate world, but as both piercers, um, that, was not a, that was not a go for me. Yeah. Um, so it, it was uh, it, it was eye opening. It was very humbling experience and everything. But um, after after the job that I had, I was a uh, I was actually a project manager for cell phone tower builds. Mm-hmm. So I was I was out building cell phone towers. Um, so a, a friend of mine was like, "Well, maybe you should open your own business." And I was like, "You know that that's really good because I always loved piercing, and a lot of people said I was really good at my job, and I felt I was as well." So we started up. Um, I started out in a, a city called Glen Burnie, mm-hmm. and um, the the studio that I was at really didn't work out. I, w- I was literally ready to just say, you know what, I'm done with this, no more, that's it. And the day before I was going to call it call it quits, a buddy of mine hit me up and said that Black Lotus was looking for a piercer. And um, not many people know this, and, and a lot of people in the industry don't like the show Ink Masters and everything else, and, and you know, that's whatever, but the owner of the studio was a contestant on Ink Master. Mm-hmm. Halo, so, right? Um, yeah, Halo. Yeah. Um, Halo Jankowski. Uh, his name, he changed his name to Halo Gray recently, but yeah, so he, 
he was on season four. He made it to the finalist or to the final show. Um, so the popularity, obviously, of the studio ended up growing pretty rapidly. Um, so I kind of jumped in right after he got off of the show. And um, it was it's kind of like just history from there. Um, and, and we went in. You know, I told him, like, I want to control the piercing end. I don't want anybody to tell me what I can or can't do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at that point, I was still piercing with crappy jewelry and everything. And then um, I actually got a message from a gentleman named Dan Steinbacker. uh, baby dan yeah he uh hit me up with uh he was he was super awesome about it he just hit me up and was like look you need to change some stuff around and that was kind of my first venture into high quality and really paying attention to what i'm doing and kind of expanding everything that i do um so from there it, it was it was a little bit of a rough start um but i literally threw a lot of jewelry out I just tossed it mm-hmm. and just bought all high quality. Like it was literally just a, um, it went from all crap to all good stuff. Like there was no, there was no in between. It was just throughout all the, the horrible stuff and then started new. See the, 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 the crazy thing, like if you travel back in time and the same thing mm-hmm. for me too, because I was using junk jewelry for a really long time, you know, I, you yeah. know I'll, I'll admit it. Uh, and if you go back in time and you think like you have all this stock and you have all these drawers and jewelry and jewelry and jewelry, and at that point you'd you'd never imagine just like well throw it all out and and start fresh because that's like, you know that's your your lifeblood basically body jewelry you know. But yeah. now when you when you get to a position like you're in where you have cases and cases of you know all the dream jewelry that that people would want. You can look back and be like, oh, man, all that jewelry that I really wanted to hang on to, it was worth, like, maybe 300 bucks. You know, it's not like it was, yeah. like, a huge investment or something. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and it's and, and definitely when you look back on it, it's the same way. But when you're doing it, it's, it's a oh, little yeah. bit of what I consider butt puckering. Totally. Um, and um, But it was, it was honestly the best decision I ever made. Yeah. It was like for career wise, it was it was probably the smartest and best thing I ever did. Yeah, I mean, I'll agree because like one of the one of the big things that slowed me down is I I tried to do something that I think a lot of other younger piercers try to do, where they try to transition like really yeah. gradually, you know. So for a long time, it was like, well, I'll try a little bit of neo metal, but then still a bunch of external thread stuff, and then maybe internal for just like twelve gauge and higher, but still external for fourteen, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I I wish I had had the guts to. Uh, or the smarts, really, to, to just toss it all and just start fresh. Yeah, um, and it's um, that, that's actually something I come across a lot, especially because in Maryland, we, me and a buddy of mine put together a uh, piercer group. So we have a lot of um, piercers that come around. We, we usually meet up like once a month or once every two months, and we get a lot of new people that are in the same position that I was. And we, we hear the same thing. It's like, well, we don't have the money, you know, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, well... You know, you, you have to budget it right. You just have to be smart with everything. And, and you know, I, I kind of got lucky to be in the position that I'm in as well. Worked really hard for it, um, but it just kind of worked out where I could do that. And I made the commitment to myself. I'm like, you know, we're in this really nice studio. Um, there's no way that I can't, like, I can't just be here and sell this crappy quality, you know, stuff. Right. And it makes sense. So. so how much of that, I mean, or, or was any of it um, kind of guidance or like a, a nudge from, from Halo? Because being in that studio, like I've been in a lot of shops, you know, and I, you can always tell when there's maybe like the owner's good, but they don't really maybe so much 
put a, a huge importance on who else is working there. Sometimes people are just seen as like fill a booth, bring in some cash kind of thing. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, it seems like with you know with the the care and attention that went into the studio layout, and it seems like all the employees are really on point there. Um, was he trying to hire you to to bring in like a, a piercer that he he knew could do an impressive job, or was it just kind of like? you had the opportunity and, and you ran with it and he was just kind of giving you the space, but not really the direction. So it was a little bit of the latter. Okay. Um, when I came in, he was actually not really, he wasn't really happy. I don't want to say he was, he wasn't happy to have a piercer in, but he would have been okay without having a piercer. Yeah. Um, but our front end manager, Emily, um, I had actually been piercing her for like 15 years. And then um, the person that called me is this guy, Merv. He's one of our tattoo artists. And I've known him for 12 years. Um, I used to work with him back in my original studio. So I got, he got, you know, they, we have two people here that basically you have the, the studio manager who runs the studio and then you have one of their artists vouching for me. So mm-hmm. Halo was like, okay, you can come on in. And he, he basically left me to my vices and I really pushed to have a lot of things done. When we, we went to initially build out the studio, we planned for APP membership. So we were like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it the right way. So when we built it, I kept in contact with Johnny Velez a lot. And um, he was helping me make sure that all the plumbing was correct, making sure that I had everything set up so that when we got in, I could literally just apply for membership and, it, and it'd be good. That's smart. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we it, it's, it's kind of like a dual thing. One of the things about Halo is he's definitely not like a standard studio owner. He's very much... Um, in the mindset that the people that work there have to be comfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's because if you have a tattoo artist that's not comfortable, that doesn't want to be there, they're going to pull out shoddy work. Right. If you have a piercer that's not comfortable, they're going to pull out shoddy work and not really care too much. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's, he's really made an environment where things come together, coalesce. It's very much like a, like a family. I mean, we have, I think, it's, I think it's like 16 employees. Wow. And everything just kind of works like a machine. I mean, yeah. you, you can tell being in that studio because, you know, for me, uh, you know, I've got you know, a decent sized staff, but I mean, not that big. But, you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. If you don't have happy people working there, you're going to have people phoning it in and you're, they're not really going to be giving their, their best quality work. But you can really tell being in your studio uh, that he puts a big emphasis on, on everybody being happy. You know, that was that was another stark thing. I mean, other than the fact that you have like every awesome everything in the studio, like everything that someone could want, um, everybody had a smile on their face. You know, nobody, sometimes you go into a studio and like nine out of the 10 people in there will all be happy and smiling. But then there's that one that just looks like they're having a bad day or they're stressed out or they're tired or something. And nobody really gave off that vibe. Everybody seemed like they were genuinely happy to be there. And, you know, probably a lot of that just comes from having the the right work environment. Yeah. Um, 100%. Um, I mean, it's definitely by far the best studio I've ever worked. That's the best job I've ever had. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot, and a lot of that comes into the fact that Halo trusts me to run the piercing end and not mess up his business. Um, so I think it, it's just it's a matter of everybody working off of each other. And it's crazy because like all the tattoo artists have totally different personalities. The front end staff have totally different personalities. I have a different personality than everybody else. Um, we all know piercers are totally different than tattoo artists. Yeah. Um, so it's, but everything just kind of works. And That's it's, great. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a little bit of Halo knowing exactly what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very proactive individual. So when we were building out the studio, he literally researched how people interact with other people, how 
um, how you have certain things set up, how it affects somebody's mood, you know, things like that. So when we're building out the studio, he got everybody's opinion that works there. Like it was a, it was a group thing. Um, he obviously made all the major decisions, but with the way that everything was set up, he got ideas from everybody. So every part of the studio belongs to somebody, you know? So it's kind of like, it's not just, okay, well, Halo put the studio together. It's, well, I had something to do with the piercing end. Well, you know, Danny B had something to do with the loft and Merv had something to do with this. And so we all kind of feel like everything, like it's our home. Like it's, we helped build this thing together. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that's, that's really great. Uh, on like a lot of different levels. I mean, number one, just having that shop exist is probably really great for that area, you know, because it really probably sets the standard. But, you know, having someone in your situation where you've been piercing for a really long time and you, you never really got that payoff, you know, like you were working hard, but it doesn't seem like you really had the right opportunities. Uh, and then, you know, to have you get a shot at being able to kind of like, I don't, I don't know if it's just my guess, but... It, like making your dream business basically and mm -hmm. getting to create it however you want and then being able to really, you know, get your legs under you and, and, and run with it. it just sounds cool. I mean, it just sounds like a really cool opportunity. And I, I think a lot of people would call that fate. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I try to, for me, I try not to, to think of luck. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very much a bust my ass kind of guy. And I think that that relates to everybody. Um, but I do agree that like a lot of it has to do with fate. Like, the way that everything happened, it's definitely the right the right place, the right time kind of thing. Um, and it's just like how every little piece kind of fell together. It's, yeah. it's definitely awesome. Um, it, you could easily say this is the dream job, I think. And I've had many conversations, and it, it's, it's really humbling for me because I get a lot of people like, oh, my God, you're so lucky to work here. This place is awesome. Um, I want a guest spot here. I want to do that. Like... And I don't look at it like that because it's where I'm at all the time. And my goals are strictly for like customer service, making sure all my clients are happy, making sure my employees are happy, things like that. So, so a lot of times I don't really see it for what it is. And then you have people that come in and they, they express that like just hearing you say stuff like that. It's kind of like, OK, wow, this is where I'm actually at. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I don't want to, like, blow smoke up your ass or anything, but it was a really, really nice shop, you know, so, uh, yeah. you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, shine you up too, too hard, but, um, yeah, you, you should, you should be happy with it, you know, and Halo should yeah. be really proud of what, what he created, and you should be really proud of what you created, and it's, it's a really cool shop, um, yeah. so if, if everybody got, like, say, in the little touches, whose call was it to have the arcade machine in the lobby, and how hard do you want to punch them? Um, that was Halo. Okay. Um, I think I've gotten used to it at this point. The first couple days were a little rough with that thing. Yeah. Um, it's really, it was really loud. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, when you, when you look at it at first, I thought it was a little weird. Um, having just a little arcade machine in the middle of an art gallery. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, when you're out on the floor and you see people playing it, and, you know, you have people that are waiting to get tattooed and they're over there just chilling, playing these old school games. It's kind of cool. Like, um, you know, sometimes like you just take your initial reaction to something and you're like, God, why, why is this thing here? But then you see the reaction of, the, of other people, of clients and things like that. And it's kind of like, OK, that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. I mean, it's a good perspective. I, I tried to have a Street Fighter 2 machine in my last shop and I, I bought it on eBay and I, I wasn't paying attention enough to the description and there was something wrong with the screen and blah blah blah. Basically it was like an $800 paperweight that just like sat in the corner of my lobby for a really long time until I sold it off oh. to somebody else but 
Um, maybe, I don't know, maybe that was a blessing in disguise. You know, maybe if I had had a bunch of people, like, playing video games in my lobby, it would have driven me bananas. Yeah, it gets it gets a little intense because we have we have Xboxes, so like we basically when clients come in, we give them the Xbox controls and we're like, "Have at it, you know, do your thing." Cool. Um, and sometimes it can be a little distracting, um, especially people like me. I love video games, so especially when we're slow, I'll just jump on there and start playing. And mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I got things to do. <laughs> you know, so uh, but it it's awesome because it really does like for me it makes the clients feel like they're at home. Yeah. Um, and then you know. If you have somebody like that's that's playing a video game, and then you have another client that's like, "Oh, this game is awesome," it kind of gets the clients together, and they're talking to each other. Right. And it, kinda, it keeps things going. So I think it, in in a lot of ways, it can be a very good thing. The the nice thing that you did though is, you know, I think some people go a little bit too much onto that comfort and feel at home kind of thing, where the the cleanliness and the presentation starts to drop a little bit. Like I was I was looking by the end of the day for dust. Or like, you know, lint or anything like that. And there was nothing. Like everything is like immaculately clean. And it's really laid out, like you said, like an art gallery. But then with the little personal touches to make the, the people that are waiting for their friends or waiting for their appointment comfortable. And it's just, it's it's a cool, it's a cool layout. If I haven't mentioned that before, you have a you have a cool shop. Yeah, absolutely, man. It, it's, we definitely love it. We're all proud of it. We, we're all very protective of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can get how some piercers might be like, oh, well, you know, somebody from Ink Master. But, I, you know, I'm sure that there are a couple goofballs on that show, but there's also some, like, really talented artists that deserve to be there, you know, and it, it seems like Halo is, you know, one of those artists. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, and, like, I don't really watch the show too much, but I never really knock anybody for going on there. I mean, how can you really, you know, say something crappy to somebody who's right. trying to build their business, you know? I mean, it's... Yeah, if there was like a like a Pierce Master show, like all of us would be in line to be on that show. Right. There there would be there would be the piercers in line to do it and then there'd be the piercers like, "Oh, those rock stars." Hey, you know what? I'm I'm fine if that pays my bills, you know? Like if it was, you know, sell your soul is one thing, but like, you know, it's a it's a business opportunity, you know? So take the business opportunity. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So, what do you see is going on uh, with with trends with your clients? Like, what's like the hot piercing right now? Oh man, um, nostrils are always the hot piercing. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we have the curated ears happening at this time. Right. Um, Doth piercings are always, I think, at this point, going to be up there. Um, but I would say definitely ear piercings, man. We're we're getting, I guess, with this whole curated piercing video going around, um, you get a lot of people that are coming in. Mm-hmm. And making piercers' dreams come true. <laughs> yeah. Um, as as we know, our best attributes are usually going to be, let me build this for you. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of people. One of the things I'm saying is that people aren't really limiting their budgets anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, they're noticing that there's so much really good quality stuff. Um, there's a lot of like really awesome stuff coming out in gold and and different like designs with titanium. And they're willing to spend the money, and they just want to—they just want to feel better about themselves, and they want to make their ears sparkle and everything else. And and that—that that I think is the biggest trend right now, at least that I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I'll—I'll I'll definitely agree, and and I'll say that it's really just that body piercing has finally reached that tipping point where it's—it's it's not 
just subculture it's it's fashion you know so you know people that are into fashion uh in whatever level they're already used to you know my jewelry costs some money you know my necklace or my traditional earrings or my my finger rings or whatever like those things cost money i understand that if i walk into a a a nice jewelry store that i'm you know i'm not looking to spend cheap money i'm looking to to make a nice investment for myself and now i think people are finally starting to see good quality body piercing studios in that same light where it's like, okay, I understand that this isn't like, you're not trying to rip me off. You're, you're trying to give me something that has value. So they're a lot more open to, to, like you said, you know, spending a couple bucks more when even just like five years ago, um, you might still be able to make those sales, but it was definitely more of a struggle. You really had to spend a lot more time educating the client and talking to them. And now it's just like they know so much before they even walk in the door because of all the different things that people have been working hard on with social media. Um, and they just know that it's like, you know, body piercing is cool. This jewelry is cool. This jewelry is worth some money. My piercings are going to be a, a little bit pricier, you know, but I, I think it's yeah. great. I And, and I do too. And I, you actually bring up a really good point about social media. Um, it's kind of a double edged sword. I personally hate social media. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate everything about it, but I love it. Um, <laughs> it's like, you, you what better way to get information out to people you know yeah um, that's one of the things that like I, I always get people that come in and they're like you know I was looking online or um, you know I saw I went to BVLA's website and they they suggested you so I'm here to just to specifically pick up some BVLA stuff awesome um, you know and it's like just everything with social media has kind of helped push that Um but yeah, man, I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I, I love the fact that people are willing to, as they say, treat themselves, you mm-hmm. know? Um, and I think that's like something that's big that's coming up. Yeah. I, um, a, a thing that I had up until like really recently would be, um, I'd start, I'd start the conversation, you know, I'd get them talking about what jewelry that they see in front of them that they already like. And then, you know, we'll kind of find good places for it and all that stuff. So I, I usually just let them kind of run wild, um, without thinking about price first. And then when it gets to the point where I'm like, okay, so you want this, 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 and this, uh, I'm going to just, I'm going to put together a total for you. And then when I have it put together, it used to be like, you know, uh, it's going to be this much, you know, and then hoping that they just wouldn't have a heart attack. And now really good example is a, a girl came in today with her mom and she had two existing piercings in her helix. And she showed me this, you know, Pinterest, whatever picture of, uh, somebody with like, you know, eight or nine piercings from their helix down to their lobe. And mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, let's, let's maybe do like three new piercings today and then we'll upgrade your, your two existing piercings. And she was like, okay, well, I, I only want to wear gold. And I was like, okay, okay I'm fine with that. <laughs> and then she wanted to like alternate between white gold and yellow gold. And she wanted this specific size and, you know, it was kind of larger end pieces, you know? So I was like, okay, this is awesome. But in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, well, you know, is she going to get sticker shock? But then I put yeah. the price together, uh, showed it to her and her mother, and without even batting an eyelash, they were like, okay. And I was like, yeah. uh, all right, awesome. You know, that's that's cool. Uh, then, you know, they walked out the, the door with a smiling face, even though they, they dropped, you know, the... Same kind of amount of money that you'd spend on maybe like a new iPhone, you know, but um, yeah. but they were they were happy because they understood that it had value. So they weren't freaked out by it. They didn't see it as expensive. They saw it as worth it. Exactly. And we're seeing that a lot, too. You know, when we especially when I first started getting into high quality, my fear was always the price. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I've learned to accept the fact that people understand quality and that they are starting to understand that um, things are going to cost a little bit extra. And like um, one of the things that for myself and for my employees, I always tell them to be competent. If you say, well, it's going to be 500. I hope that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that's going to deter people. You're like, this is $500. Yeah. You know, they're, they're going to be like, okay, awesome. Well, it's the same thing with with a, a piercing procedure. You know, like if if you're the the person in the room with the gloves on and the needle in your hand, and you're you sound apprehensive or you sound like you don't know what you're doing, they're not going to have as much confidence. They're going to be more nervous. And it's the same thing with a, a big jewelry sale. You know, I, mm-hmm. I I'll totally agree with you when I when I give people a price, I never sound apologetic. You know, I'm not like, uh, it's going to be four hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm always just like, oh, it's, that's four hundred. You know, did you want to get aftercare with that? You know, and I just say it like it's the most you know, common, uh, no brainer kind of thing. And, and some people will, will still get sticker shock. You know, some people, yeah. they pick with their heart and not with their head. And then when they find out how much it actually costs, sometimes they genuinely can't afford it. I'm totally fine with that. I, I have a million other options for them, but you know, uh, those people that maybe your, your tone and your confidence would maybe be one side of the fence or the other where it's either like, Oh, you know, they sound confident. They explained what the jewelry is. You know, it's solid 18 karat gold, genuine stones, lifetime guarantee. All those things, you know, it increases their their confidence in in the product that they're buying, and they feel more and more comfortable with the investment. Yep, absolutely. And um, the you know, it's just it's it's awesome. I I I just love seeing it because you get to me. I see more people smiling and being happy about their choices and you know one of the other things that really surprises me still is that they'll come into my studio and they'll say i've never seen so many options to start off with right and it's like yeah i mean you know you get that and it's like it is it's a little bit shocking to me that other people you know are are missing out on stuff like that you know Mm -hmm. yeah i mean for for a long time i i would have loved to have been able to give people every option in the world and i I just couldn't afford it you know but now i'm at a point where i'm i'm a a little bit more flexible with my jewelry budget. So, you know, I sometimes I expand my selection and sometimes I, I on purpose keep it a little bit more, I, I guess you would say, on the curated side. So well, how do you how do you approach that? Like if you have a little bit of extra money or if you know that you're heading into a, a busier season, do you focus on backstocking uh, your your basics or do you focus on expanding the, the options that you have for gold? So I, I do a little bit of both. Um, one thing I've learned, so I'm, I'm about three, four years into high quality mm-hmm. and with all the stuff that's happened with like Neometal and Outometal, um, order times and stuff like that. I learned last year that I will always keep back stock of everything and like tons of it. Right. So, um, that's one thing. So I'm, I'm a, I like to consider myself a, um, I'm horrible with money when it comes to buying jewelry because mm-hmm. I want all of it. <laughs> um, and I feel like that's probably a general thing with piercers yeah um so i try to i try to be smart i try to look at what i've sold in the past a lot of um and try to bring some some similar items like that in. Um, so like if i don't sell a lot of like really big bulky pieces i'll, I'll kind of hold back on that but if i've noticed that i've sold more like amethyst gemstones or things like that i'll bring in some extra like flary items just to kind of see how they do um i try not to ex- ex- my stock too much like I'll, I'll get one or two just kind of like spare pieces or like show pieces that mm-hmm. kind of thing um but i still get a little bit nervous sometimes about 
expanding too far with it. Yeah. Because um, I've had, and we've all had jewelry set for two years, and we're just like, oh my god, <laughs> why did I, why did I buy that? Yeah. So I, I, I bring up two two good piercer friends of mine. Uh, so uh, Aaron Foster, he was my mm-hmm. apprentice for a while, and now he he lives out in Denver and he works at Soul Tribe, and. Yeah. Uh, he worked part-time at my studio, and then he worked part-time at another studio uh, about an hour south near Boston. And that shop owner, uh, like up here, you know, I take care of all the jewelry, so we had everything available. Down there, um, he was more like subcontractor kind of thing, and the, the shop owner was like, all right, I'm going to give you uh, a couple hundred bucks to, to get a couple of pieces of jewelry when you go out to the APP conference. And instead of instead of him spreading that money around a little bit and, you know, getting a couple things that, you know, maybe this, this customer would like it or maybe this customer would like it, he just got a whole bunch of stuff. He got, like, a whole bunch of the one thing that he really liked. So for Naval Curves, he got all Amethyst because his favorite color is purple, and he got all this one style, but he got, like, ten of them instead of, like, getting some white CZ and some mint green and stuff that you would actually sell. Uh, and then he just he sat on that jewelry for a really long time. So that's kind of a lesson that I saw where it's just like, yeah, you know, don't just get a whole bunch of stuff because, like, you think you're going to sell it. Like, get stuff that you know you're going to be able to sell. Get stuff that the customers are going to want, not just stuff that you're in love with. And, um, you know, you'll, you'll get a better return on your investment, and then you can get more jewelry, you know? But, like, yeah, you don't want to just go tr- go crazy and get, like, every color, every size because a lot of that stuff's just going to sit around. Like, I mean, who really needs you know, Tanzanite end pieces in every size available. You know, it's not really realistic. Yeah, ex- exactly. And that that's something I definitely learned in the first couple of years, especially when I first was start, uh, first starting to buy a Nia metal. I was like, I got to have all their colors. Ugh, yeah. And then I realized everybody only wants the white CZs. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, man, I really screwed that up. <laughs> so, you know, now I'm at a point where I can keep all the different colors in at least a decent stock and it'd be fine. But that's that's also a piece of advice I tell people, like, how should I go about this? And I'm like, get all white CZs, get all flatbacks, you know, everything that you need, like, just all the stuff you're absolutely going to sell, and then you can expand from there, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, and, and just like you said, you know, get reorder the stuff that you know is going to sell and then maybe try one new color or you know one yeah. new size or one new style or something like that and then see how that goes you know and if that doesn't work then on the next order you can try something different and, until you start to dial it in um but i had a i had a, another friend who uh he 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 worked at a studio that was high volume and they had like tons of selection like lots and lots of stock and you know maybe they didn't sell it but you know they had it and then when he went off eventually and opened his own studio, he wanted to try to compete with that same stock. So he had every size, every color, every option, and it it put his biz- it put a shop out of business because he mm-hmm. he spent all of his money, all of his budget, on getting everything in the world, um, and people didn't want everything in the world. Like you said, they they wanted the white CZ and they wanted the the plain and the simple options, and that that's the stuff that you pay your bills on you pay your mortgage on um it's not having everything in the world you can definitely expand to that once you also expand your client base and bring new people in but even at this point i'm kind of starting to go the opposite way where i want to start dialing back you know and phasing out certain colors and certain sizes and products and have like a more curated narrow selection that people want and that turns around quickly like i don't i don't want to order orange gems anymore or yellow stones because people people don't want them here anyway yeah and, and that's, I mean, and that's exactly what I'm doing at this point now, too, um, is I told myself I would take two years 
figure out what the area likes and then kind of start dialing it back a little bit mm-hmm. as well. Um, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm going to be cutting back a lot of uh, stuff that I normally keep in stock because, again, it just doesn't sell. You know, and you're right, oranges, yellows, no matter how much I like them, it doesn't really mean anything if nobody else is buying them. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in that. I'm in that very same position right now. Yeah, I remember when Neo Metal sent out the notification that they were dropping the Peridot color, and I, yeah. you could just hear this like collective like, "Oh no!" Like <laughs> n- nobody, nobody cares. Nobody wants Peridot. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember that, and I was like, "Oh no!" What? Because I have these displays that were specifically made for my Neo Metal, and I was mm-hmm. like, "What am I gonna, what am I gonna do now that this one color is no longer here?" Right. But then Neo Metal, you know, they went and now they got the water opals and the faceted black opals, and I bought a bunch of those because I was like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's cool. And nobody ever buys them, so never again. You know what stone I, I'm I'm liking from, uh, and and I'll kind of I'll agree with you on the the water opal. I remember when they when they first released them, it was like, oh, new special edition, and I so I got like ten uh, of like yeah. a couple different styles. They sold, but then I was like, you know what? Let's just let's just call it a day. I'm not going to reorder them. You know, just yep. sell them and forget that it exists. But um, that ocean gray from Anata Metal, I really like that stone. I don't know if you've if you've carried any of those yet. I do because um, ocean gray is actually getting up there as far as bestsellers with Mm. my white cz's awesome Um, everybody loves the gray yeah it's it's um yeah i would say that like next to the white cz the the grays are like my bestsellers awesome cool i I can't i can't keep them bad boys in stock yeah i haven't really carried a lot of them like i i i think it was today or yesterday i did one in a nostril and i was just looking at it like man this is a really awesome stone like you know it it's subtle but it's got a lot of personality um and i think i've only got one or two other pieces in my case right now that have that have that stone but i I definitely put it on my order sheet for my next one yeah absolutely and i um i have a couple of uh those uh like arcs the art clusters Mm -hmm. With like a black CZ, a, a gray CZ, and then white CZs, and people eat it up. Nice, like, yeah. I haven't even thought of that. I should totally do that. See, yeah. I, I I go in like ups and downs of all my like curve clusters and stuff like that from Anata Metal. For for a while, they were like the big hotness, you know, like doing the five stone curve clusters mm-hmm. and either like a Contra Helix, and then it seemed to just kind of like dial back. You know, when people really started to like hop on like the Doth train. Uh, everybody wanted that, and then clusters. Nobody was really looking at a lot of other ear piercings, unless it was like just a tragus or just a plain conch or something like that. But yeah. now they're starting to come back. Where like the doth trend, it's still there. You know, I don't, I don't do several a day anymore. Like I didn't do any today. Um, yeah. But now the clusters are coming back. You know, and I put a couple of clusters in people today and yesterday. So um, it's weird how I think when we when we do work to really service a trend, uh, like it's never really gonna it's never really going to die off, you know, like maybe yeah. we won't do it every day anymore, but how often do you do a triple forward helix at this point? Um, rarely. I actually usually turn them down. Yeah. Um, and it's mainly because it's like the, the people that want them done are usually going to be women. Mm-hmm. They, they have really long curly hair. Right. Um, they play sports, you know, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then they want all prong sets and yeah, it's like, it's just too much. It, there, there's no way these things are going to heal properly. So, mm-hmm. um, a lot of times I, I generally just turn them down. It's rare. Um, I'd say maybe I've done like two or three sets in the last like four months. Okay. Maybe. I'm I'm still getting them from time to time, but I you know I I definitely notice those same problems that you mentioned. So you know, it, it, in my studio, I I really don't let people get 
a lot of piercings with prong set jewelry. I'll still do nostrils totally, but you know, forward helix, uh, no prongs there. Um, you know, outer helix, they, they'd they'd really have to have like a, a a valley to kind of protect the jewelry for me to to yeah. give them a prong. But um, yeah, so a lot of times I'll do a consultation and I'll I'll talk to the person, I'll look at the person. If they have an ideal ear. I'll do a triple. If they don't, I'll, I'll be fine doing a single or maybe a double, but I don't want to push it, you know, because nothing, like, it, it sucks really bad trying to put all this effort into a triple forward helix, and then, like, just one of those piercings is off just enough that you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not even going to take a picture of this because, like, I'm not, it's not my best work, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So now I'll look at people's ears, and if, like, if they don't have a really great ear, like, setting me up for success, then I'll, then same thing, I'll probably wave it off kind of how i deal with it as well i've been getting a lot of people that are doing like the tragus and forward helix combo Mm -hmm. where they'll do one tragus piercing and then one forward helix Mm -hmm. um and that's usually i mean that's that's probably as far as it usually goes with me but yeah i'm I'm like with you like unless it's like a really solid forward helix it's super flat and like i don't feel like anything bad is gonna happen i'll do it but beyond that i usually try to turn them away mostly most of the time yeah and a good indication is like if you have to like dig and rummage through their hair just to get at their ear to get a good look at it that should probably tell you that they're probably not going to be able to heal that very well exactly that's usually going to be an absolute no-go yeah so today uh right at the end of the day like you know i close at eight and like right at like 7 30 the this group of friends came in and uh one of them got a single forward helix piercing and uh i i looked at her ear and you know it had really good uh really good forward helix for a piercing and i was like you know what the heck i'm gonna do this one back to front um normally i only do that for like you know traguses i don't i don't really do a lot for forward helixes and it 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 works so well and it came out so great and so comfy that like i feel like now i'm gonna be on like a back to front forward helix trend with with uh curved needles so yeah but it was fun it was fun to do that yeah and that's actually how i do forward helixes yeah um i love going back to front um it's just for me it's more comfortable and it's a little more disposable for mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually, like, I feel pretty confident with it. And, like, same kind of thing. Like, I'll, I'll encounter some piercings where I'm, I'm having trouble with them. And I'm like, man, these last, like, few I've done are horrible. And then all of a sudden I'll do one, like, spot on. And then I'm like, that's it. I'm just, I'm doing them all like that. For yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's how I got into septum clamps. You know, like, I, I was trying really hard to get really good at septums with a receiving tube, you know, and I, I tried freehand. It didn't, it, it didn't feel comfortable for me. So receiving tubes felt pretty comfortable, but I got mixed results, you know, and then I felt really self-conscious cause I was like, Oh, I'm teaching all these classes on the, you know, all these tips and tricks and stuff. And like, I, I should have a comfortable septum technique. Yeah. And then I talked to Luis Garcia and he was like, just use clamps, you know, like you don't have to overthink it. Just use, you know, if you want to, you know, um, so I did it and it worked great, you know, and I got like a couple in a row that were like perfect. So I was like, oh yeah, this is just my life now. I'm a septum clamps guy. Yep. One of the, uh, so septums are my favorite piercings of all time. Mm-hmm. Um, they're my favorite to do because they're so challenging. And, um, what I, I learned a trick from, uh, Dan Chan. He, uh, he was like, use a, use an O needle. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, that's like the, the smartest thing I've ever heard. And why didn't I think of that? And every time I do a septum, I only use O needles now. And um, they like literally I've done all the septums I've done in the last couple of years. I've just felt like super, super, super confident on. Hmm. And like so I do them, I do them completely freehand, no clamps, no receiving tubes, nothing. Just O needle that bad boy and like super confident. Cool. So do you um, do you 
O needle and then stretch, or do you like same size, or do do you have any bleeding issues? Um, generally, same size because I only I don't use uh, septum retainers. I okay. just do uh, circulars. Right. So just use a, the same size IS O needle and mm-hmm. um, just use a, a threaded taper and slide that bad boy through. Great. So and you still you you'll still get excess, uh, like a little bit of excess bleeding, mm-hmm. um, but it's usually not anything that I would consider a problem. I, I it's usually pretty negligible for me. Yeah, see, I, it, that's another one of those things where it's just like, it's so simple, I can't believe more people don't think of that. Yeah, but I've never, yeah. I don't think I've ever done that. I've, I've done that for, you know, for like larger septums, you know, but yeah, uh, yeah that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, crazy, because I was like, man, why did I not ever think of this? Right. Uh, yeah, I remember when, when O-Needles really first started to kind of come to the forefront, um, I did most of my helix piercings with them for, I'd say like a year or so, and um for whatever reason, you know, I, I think that compared to a good freehand technique for, for a helix, you're not going to see much of a difference. But with the septum piercing, that, that really simplifies it. We don't have to think about that, like, bevel angle and mm-hmm. all that stuff, just being able to go on, like, a straight trajectory. Yep, absolutely. So um, what do you feel about, how do you feel about rings for, like, initial piercing? and Or, or are you, like, a heel piercing only person for rings? So... I'm not against rings, and um, the biggest reason is because if you sleep on a piercing, you sleep on a piercing. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of piercings that I won't do rings with just because the physics of it doesn't work. Right. Um, but like, there's if, if somebody comes in, I won't do rings in noses just because nobody wants a big 14 gauge ring right. through their nose. Yeah. Um, and I won't do rings as small as an 18 gauge because that's just to me that's just asking for trouble. And in mm-hmm. my experience, I've had too many people have problems with that. Okay. So like helixes, conches, I'm I love rings and conches. Um, I'm I'm I love that old school classic, just boom twelve gauge ring through the conch. Now, mm-hmm. um, I do conches at a minimum of twelve gauge. I don't do them any smaller than that. Okay. So usually when I have a young lady come in and they're like, I want a ring in my conch, and I show them the jewelry, they're like, okay, let's go with a stud. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. So I'm not I'm not really I'm not against rings. Um, I've had a lot of success with rings in specific helix and, and conch piercings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm I'm all about it. I mean I've seen some people, you know, back when I was piercing in, in the early 2000s and everything was done with a ring. You know, so many people healed with rings even though they're not quote unquote supposed to. Yeah. So um, but like you know these days I would never do a nipple with a ring. I I would never do. I mean unless it was like a large gauge and they wanted that door knocker kind of look. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't do belly buttons with rings. I won't do traguses with rings, that kind of thing. But I'm not against it by any means. Um, I, you know, some people are like, no, rings are the devil. And I think there's much worse things we could do than put a ring in a piercing. Well, I mean, just like you said, like, you know, up until, I don't know, probably like right up until that triple forward helix kind of phase of the industry mm-hmm. where people started to really get creative with like itty bitty little cartilage piercings you know rings cbrs were like that that was the norm you know and i remember that was that's how i did pretty much all my cartilage piercings up until like you know 2005 ish and uh you know they healed you know and and i i think that when people started to switch over from that generation of you know do it with a cbr to the generation of like do it with a librette post um that's when you started to see all those trends of you know, if you have a little bit too much length on that post, it, it's really going to favor uh, at an angle, you know. And yeah. um, first time uh, I really saw that problem. Um, at the time, I was doing O-needles, and I was doing Neo Metal, you know, with uh, 
little those like the little three mil flat back and I was doing like um, probably 18 or 16 gauge five sixteenths length and uh, then this 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 guy came in said I've had this piercing for six months it's got this huge scar on it I don't know what's going on and I looked at it and it was like super angled and I was like oh man did I like but like super botched this piercing somehow and I didn't notice that I pierced it at this crazy angle so um you know took it out and you know offered to repierce it later and then I started to see that problem happen a, a couple of times and and it was just you know I was using too long of a post I was using too small of a backing I was doing you know too loose of a piercing you know like a this big O needle that I didn't need and then when I started shortening the post and putting a larger back on it and you know doing a freehand needle technique then I started to notice that that problem started to go away but you know, you think about all those steps you have to take to prevent that problem that otherwise everybody's going to have. But when you do it with the CBR, uh, it doesn't favor one side or the other. You know, maybe they get a little bit more swelling. Maybe they get a little bit more irritation from the ring rotating uh, dried buildup into their piercing. But uh, it can actually be really conducive to healing. And I'm, I'm kind of at a point today where I'm on a tipping point of like, well, should I maybe start letting more people get Helix, just just helix piercings, really. I'm not going to do really much of anything else with rings, yeah. but should I give them that option? You know, uh, because people still ask for it, and, and I, at this point, I don't really have an excellent reason why they shouldn't get it, unless it's like anatomy dependent. You know, some people's ears just aren't meant for it. But yeah, um, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm ready to to get a little bit more flexible with uh, starting starting a helix off anyway with a ring. But yeah, same thing. Not a tragus, not a nostril. You know, not other stuff. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, um, I've, I've heard all arguments across the board about it. And it's just like, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where if, if you do the piercing really well, um, the person takes care of it really well, pretty much no matter what they have in there, they're going to heal really well, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, obviously. But, you know, it's, it, we, we offer it. If somebody comes in, they're like, yeah, I'd like a ring in my helix. I'm like, okay, um, cool. Let's do it. You know, um, I'm just a sucker for those looks too. You know, I, I love it. It does look really cool, you know, um, especially if that's just if, – if someone's aesthetic is rings or something really simple and then you try to say like, well, I, I know you really want to get this and I don't really have a great argument against it, but just because like everybody else is doing posts, I'm only going to let you pick from posts. Sometimes people yeah. aren't going to be happy with that. I mean there's there are definite times where as a piercer you have to put your foot down and be like, I know that you want this, but it's not a good idea, so let's do something else. But um, I, I think people should – you know, step back a little bit and think like, well, why is it you're saying no? You know, do you have a valid reason or are you just yeah. saying no because you think you're supposed to say no? Yeah. And I, I mean, I've, I've debated this with a few people before and I think that a lot of people coming up, they just hear it, you know, and it's like, they're just regurgitating what they hear mm-hmm. without actually finding the knowledge, you know? And they're like, Oh, this guy never does rings. You know, I, I really respect him, And he says it's really bad. So it's really bad. And it's like, well, well, why? You know, mm-hmm. question everything, you know, one of the things I, I pride myself in is if, you know, I've I've taken all the information I've ever gotten over the years and I've backed it up with knowledge. So if like if somebody tells me something, I'm like, you know, OK, that's cool. You know, there's a lot of people that I respect in the industry and they've said things to me and I'm like, well, I'm not really sure about that. Um, and then, I, you know, I look it up and I do the research on my own. You know what I mean? So I think I think we're at a point where um a lot of people will just hear, especially especially with a lot of the forums and everything else, you get a lot of people saying the same things with, you know, and, and that's why I love Brian Skelly, because he's always got the information to back his stuff up. Mm-hmm. He's always like, here, read this, you know, things like that. So, Yeah, that's definitely a thing about 
certain piercers is uh, you you can tell when people are just like, well, I'm just parroting something that I heard someone else say, or or you have the people like Jeff Saunders, Brian Skelly, a couple other people, where it's like, oh, well, that's not a good that's not a good idea, and here's why. Here's like ten different links to different articles or pictures or videos, and like it's it's you know you can tell that they they're saying no for a reason, and yeah. it's because they put their research in. Um, so yeah, you know, for for younger piercers. Um, Try to try to think about why we're using the jewelry we're using. You know, not just like ordering the jewelry that you see other people already have on Instagram. You know, like there's a reason that um, you know surface bars look a certain way now. You know, there's a, there's a reason that uh, you know pushpin jewelry is so popular. There's a reason that this and that and whatever. And it's because uh, some stuff works and some stuff doesn't. You know, but there there's a reason that captive bead rings are always going to exist and seam rings and circular barbells and curved barbells and all that stuff. And it's because it it, it still has its place. Um, yeah. There are definite trends. You know, I I love the trend of of post style jewelry and gold end pieces and curated piercings and all that stuff. But uh, you don't want to have a generation of piercers who have no idea how to how to install or, or use or pierce with a captive bead ring or, or, or something like that. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on that. So one other thing, uh, and, and then I'll, you know, I'll cut you loose so you can go back to having a, a life. But um, have you noticed any sort of like differences for, for how people are asking for genital piercings lately? Are genital piercings like a big, a big thing in your area? Um, yes. Um, so I do with females. Um, it's mainly VCHs. Mm -hmm. Um, that's probably 95% of what I do. Um, I've had a lot of people oddly enough asking about triangles Mm -hmm. lately, um, which is something where, um, so with triangles, I've, I've done quite a few of them. Um, but I'm so particular about the people that I do them on. Yeah. Um, and I've had a couple people ask about that. I've, I've done a good amount of horizontal hood piercings as well. Yeah. Something that like in the past I've never really done. Um, and, uh, as far as men go, like I've been doing, I do geishas left and right. That's awesome. It's insane. Um, you know, geishas, I do, I do PAs all the time. I've, in my career, I've probably done three Oppendravias and may, maybe one Ampelang. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't get a lot of people in this area asking for those, but PAs, uh, Frenums, Dido's, Jacob's Ladders, um, and Geese Piercings. I do tons of those. That's cool. Uh, you know, like, um, yeah. not in like a, I don't, I don't want anybody listening who's not a piercer to, to think that we're being creepy by saying stuff like this, but I love doing genital piercings, and it has nothing to yeah. do with sexuality, it, it's entirely to do with, like, they're very personal for people, you know, people are usually yeah. getting those because it's, it's uh you know, it's just something that makes them feel complete, you know, whatever, and it's just, it's it's a good interaction with people, um, and the same thing, you know, for a long time, it was on one side of the fence, it was all VCHs, and on the other side of the fence it was all PAs and mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of women are still asking for the the VCHs just because it's it's such a you know for lack of a better term easy piercing to get and to heal mm-hmm. but for men I've definitely been noticing the trend where they're not really they're not all just going for PAs anymore I think they're getting a little bit more creativity with it and I don't know if it's because it's more accessible information online but um, you know I've done a handful of apodravias just in the last couple of months and Dido's and you know I just I changed out someone's downsized someone's healing geese jewelry today and it's just cool seeing those because there was definite there was a couple of years where it was just like okay 
you know, PA, 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 and, you know, maybe something else every now and then, but almost always just that, you know, so it's, it's just cool, um, that people are, are thinking about it a little bit more in terms of like, you know, sexual functionality and, uh, personal flair rather than just kind of like, you know, picking the same thing that they, that they, you know, maybe know a buddy that has or something. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of with you on this. I, I love genital piercings. Um, a lot of for the same reasons. And, and one of the things that I'm really happy about is people aren't taking it as such a taboo right. subject anymore. Um, I used to, I, I remember having people come into the studio and whispering about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now I get people like yelling, I am getting my, you know, I'm getting my hoo-ha pierced today. Right. Um, you know, so, so I think it's awesome that people are becoming way more open about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, one of the things, like, I get a lot of people that have issues with with sensation and they're looking to get piercings to kind of help them with that mm-hmm. um and, and things along those natures so it's 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 kind of like a, a um there's really no bad to it really yep. you know um so I, I think it's awesome we've we've we do probably i would say five to ten genital piercings a week wow cool um it's it's insane um but it, it's awesome i love it yeah, I don't. I don't really get to do that many. You know, I'll I'll do maybe more like you know five to ten a month. You know, yeah. um, but but still, it's it's really cool having those interactions with people because if somebody comes in for some ear piercing, you know, like mm-hmm. you can have really great conversations with somebody, but it's really just going to be like, what kind of colors do you like? You know, do you like this cute little thing? But then if you bring somebody back for a consultation on a genital piercing, then you can really talk to them. And it's just cool to see somebody open up about something that's so personal, you know, and they're like, I I want it for this functionality reason. I want it because my partner finds it appealing. I want it because of this and that. And I want to stretch it. And I want to, you know, do this, uh, you know, I want to do a set of five and I have all these plans and all. And I love just being part of that, you know, like facilitating someone's like, ideal uh you know whether it's for sexual functionality whether it's just for aesthetics or whatever but i I just love being able to facilitate that for people because it just seems so satisfying and you know and i think as piercers you always love that moment where they they take a look at it after or they check it out in the mirror they have that big smile on their face but i i think it really you really connect with people when you can give them that kind of an experience with something as personal as like a genital piercing yeah uh absolutely 100 percent. i agree with you on that um yeah, I mean, it, and it's it's crazy because you always get to hear the crazy stories when you're doing genital piercings. Right. Um, and it's always a good time. Like, I've never really, most of the piercings I do, like, sometimes they're a little bit nervous and everything, but usually once you get them talking, like, it's it's super easy and mm-hmm. super smooth. And, and, you know, especially with genital piercings, I always feel like they're, they're talking to their friends about stuff like that. And their friends are coming in because they felt so connected with you as far as, like, on that personal level that you were talking about. Right. Right. Yeah, it's just cool. You know, like sometimes you, you, you step back and you realize that it's like we have awesome jobs and like we get to have these really cool interactions with people and we get to make a living doing it. So it's like, you know, works out pretty good for me. Absolutely, man. I wouldn't trade it in for the world. Cool. So, so um, what do you see as like your immediate future with the shop? Is it just kind of like keep doing what you're doing or, or do you have plans on like, you know, major changes to like jewelry displays or any sort of updates you'd want to make to the shop? Yeah. So, um, I'm always thinking of, of the bigger picture. Um, that's one of the things. And, and a lot of people will tell you that know me or that know me really well is that I, I really focus hard on the day to day, but I really also like when I'm not focusing on day to day, I'm looking at the bigger picture at the future. What's my three year plan? What's my five year plan? 
Um, I think one of the one of the things, one of my ultimate goals is to be in a partnership with Black Lotus and have like a piercing only studio. Cool. Um, but I want to build like one of the things I've always wanted to do is just build this amazing like just you know powerhouse of a of a piercing studio. You know, mm-hmm. um, and it, it might be a little far fetched right now, but that that's I think one of the ultimate goals. I, I, right now, business is like booming, and I and one of the things that I absolutely love seeing is I love hearing how all of our colleagues are doing so well. Yeah. Um, it's it's amazing when I see people like oh I had a record breaking day. It's been so busy. You know, I I love that. Um, so like our business has, has pretty much tripled in the last like four or five months. Wow. So now it's a matter of, you know, getting a second piercer, um, you know, just kind of making sure that everything flows good and then, and then going from there. Yeah. Um, I think within the next couple of years, we're going to have to expand at some point because it's just getting, getting to a point, you know, like on, on weekends we're turning, you know, five, 10, 15 people down wow. and it, it's just crazy. Um, so as far as the immediate future, um, we're trying out a second piercer now. Um, as long as everything works out there, then we're going to keep expanding on that. Um, I definitely want to change like the, the feel of the studio a little bit as far as where the jewelry is, what we display, you know, things like that. Try some different things out and see how it goes. Cool. So, um, and, and I was actually, I, I was on Snapchat earlier and I was, I was talking with Jeff Saunders and he was saying that he had a really solid day and I was saying that I had a really solid day and then we just kind of got to joking and we're like, man, uh, how is it that some piercers who are like good piercers haven't really figured out that, that, that groove yet, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, do you feel like there's like a lesson that you learned in like the last couple of years with Black Lotus where you would maybe want to like share that. Like for me, like the main thing that I always try to tell piercers is like, really think about the image you're, you're giving off, you know, like you don't have to be like, you can be like super metal guy when you're out of the shop or something like that, or like super like punk lady, but you don't necessarily want or need to be that in the studio, you know, like maybe dial it back a little bit, maybe, you know, have your, your work clothes, you know, look nice, dress nice, act nice. Uh, and give off that good energy to make the clients like comfortable. And, and again, you know, the environment you work in too. you know, give them the environment to feel comfortable and happy. So are there any other like little things that you would say are kind of missing, like the missing puzzle piece for some piercers? So um, hustle. Um, mm-hmm. I cannot stress enough the amount of working hard. Um, when I when I first got into Black Lotus, I was working seven days a week. Um, one you know, 120, 130, 140 hours a week. And we're talking, you know, not just in the studio, um, getting cards, going to the malls, passing out my card, you know, leaving cards at my gym, leaving cards. Like I would literally go to the supermarket and throw cards in the produce section. (laughs) Um, Like I throw cards in, you know, wherever I could find a spot to put a card. And if you look at it, if you, if you pull out a hundred cards, um, and you get 10 clients that call or talk to you, that's 10 potential people that you have, you know, for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you start looking at those numbers and you do that every week, you're just going to continue building. And, and I totally understand some people are in small towns and things like that. Then expand. Um, I'm not big on excuses. When I hear people say things like that, I'm just like, change your situation. Right. Um, you have, everybody has the power to do whatever they want. They just have to do it. So many people are afraid and so many people take that fear and they don't jump and they're afraid of failing. And I can't even count how many times, how many times I've failed before I started succeeding. And like, just 
just don't worry so much about things that you can't control and worry about the things you can control and just push yourselves. Um, you're not going to get anywhere being lazy. You're not going to get anywhere doing things that you don't want to do, you know? Um, and obviously like in my situation, again, a lot of it, you know, having a good storefront and everything is always a good thing. But, you know, I, I went through a phase of about six or seven months where I wore suits every day. Mm hmm. Um, and I kind of got out of that because I got a lot of feedback where people are like, well, you know, you're wearing a suit. It's very professional, but I also tend to think I have a very laid back personality. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people w were confused by that. So I still dress nice. I still wear pants. You know, I don't wear gory shirts or shirts with, you know, swear words on it and stuff. You know, yeah. I wear very, you know, studio oriented, family oriented type stuff, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And we have, we have a TV in our room. I'm not going to play you know, breaking bad if I'm doing <laughs> a, a kid's earlobes, you know? Right, right. So it's, I think it's little things like that where you just have to think about the client. You have to think about the studio and, and you know, the image that you're portraying and just go from there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's smart, you know. I, uh, I, I said it over and over on the show. It's like, you know, we are not our clients. You know, sometimes they, sometimes we can have people that are similar, but you know, it's, it's people who would shop in a jewelry store or people who would go into like a nice clothing store. And like, that's the, the vibe you want to give them. And if you can't, if you can't give those clients that experience, they're going to go somewhere else, you know? So, yeah. uh, think about your presentation. Yeah. And like I said, you know, work hard, you know, nobody, nobody is successful, um, because they're the laziest person, you know, you know, like they're, they're one of the hardest people, hardest working people or smartest or, you know, uh, dedicated or whatever, you know, and that's, that's what, make success. So if you feel like you're a piercer out there listening and you're like, man, I, I could never do this. I, I don't know how that they did it. Um, it hard work, you know, years and years and years of hard work and not giving up and, uh, in dedication. And that's how you get there. Yeah. And you know, the thing is like, I, I have a lot of people in my life who used to be really good friends. They're like, well, you never hang out. And I'm like, well, I got a business to run. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of sacrifice in it there and you just have to determine what's best for you. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, I'm I'm working hard so that when I'm 50, I can travel to Europe and do everything that I've always wanted to do and be totally okay with that. Cool. You know, so um, yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I'm I'm working moderately hard at this point, and uh, I go to Europe a couple times a year. So take a vacation. Come to yeah. Europe. Come to come to UKAPP or come to BMX or something like that. That's that's a great place to start. There you go. I like it. Cool. All right, so uh, one more time for the people listening. Um, where do they find you in the real world? Like, where's your studio located, and uh, what's your social media, website, stuff like that? Sure. So uh, the studio is Black Lotus Tattoo Gallery. Um, we are in Hanover, Maryland. There's a few Black Lotus Tattoo Galleries around, so make sure you look for Maryland. Um, my social media is Matt Black Lotus on Instagram. I generally don't do anything with Twitter, uh, Facebook. You can just look up Black Lotus Piercing. Um, and the website is blacklotuspiercing.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, I'll say it one more time. Um, gorgeous studio and good job. And, uh, also thanks for having me, uh, down for the, the class. That was a, a really yeah. fun seminar to do. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to the next one. Yeah, me too. Pierce more bananas. That's exactly what I was going <laughs> Cool. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, have a good night, Matt. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. You too. Thank you. All right. Bye. Uh, 
All right, so definitely appreciate you uh, taking some time to talk to me, Matt. Uh, if anybody's in that you know Baltimore area, Hanover, Maryland area, um, definitely do yourself a favor and, and go and stop by Black Lotus and, and check the place out. It's a, a really gorgeous shop, really impressive. So uh, today, in a couple hours, I'll be going down to Worcester, Massachusetts to go to a Beyond Wrestling show. Uh, excited for that. Um, in like personal Ryan, like non-work news, uh, end of April, I'll be going back to the UK for a wrestling tournament there. Then I come home for one day, and then I go to New Orleans for WrestleMania week. So uh, have I ever mentioned on the show that I like wrestling? Because I like wrestling. Uh, so thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. And uh, I'll be back next week with another interview for you. For more information about the show, visit piercingwizardpodcast.com or like Piercing Wizard Podcast on Facebook. For more info about your host, visit precisionbodyarts.com or search Ryan PBA on Facebook, Instagram, and Tumblr. If you enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Google Play. Music by Benny B. Blanco. Show copyright 2017, Precision Body Arts, LLC. All rights reserved.